So let's learn a little bit. So I had a little bit of a of a machshav of like to share something with you. It's a little bit, it might be a little bit odd, but you know, do the best we can over here. So in the parsha, parsha's boy. So we have the final three plagues, right? The final three makas. So Lizzie's parsha, you had the first seven. And now the final three. And it's all like sort of leading up to Makas Bacharis, obviously, the death of the, the plague of the firstborns. That's ultimately when Yitzhak Mitzrayim takes place. Pari is finally, is finally, you know, his will is finally broken, and, and that's it. We're going to let Klai Yisrael go, and Zel. Now there's a very interesting dynamic when it comes to Makas Bacharis, and it seems that there's a, a lot of opposites. Like like a like a tug of war, I guess, an emotional tug of war going on during Makas Bukharis. And it and 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 because of what was going on at that time and the conflict between two emotions, as I'll explain in a second, at that time, that has an effect going forward in every Pesach really, because Pesach, we know Pesach night is the night of Makas Bukharis. So the Pasik says like this Vira Maisha, Maisha Rabbeinu tells Para in Elf Mitzrayim claim Hashem. So says Hashem Right at midnight, I'm I'm going to go out amongst Egypt. Says Hashem, and all the firstborns of Egypt will, will die from Paris firstborn all the way till uh, till the maid servants, all animal firstborns, and so on. And there's going to be such a, a scream, such a a terror, such a fear. Um, in in Mitzrayim, Asher Kmoilo in Yosef Kmoilo Yosef, never never such a thing before and after that the the pachad and the and the fear that's going on, that's on the one side. And at this at the same time for Klai Yisrael, there's not going to be any dread and any fear, even even the the simple fear of uh, of a dog barking at you, which you know normally if you're not ready for it, you know jolts you a little bit. Even that won't happen. So the Torah Kedosh is sort of is sort of saying that besides the fact that there's going to be the death of the firstborns, and obviously there's not going to be any of that by Klal Yisrael, but much more than that, part of Makas Bechoros, what's being described over here, is this great divide, not just in in terms of the life versus death of the firstborns, but the fear and the dread of of the Mitzrayim because of what's going on. And the absolute confidence and no fear at all with the Kali Yisrael. Not even to be afraid of a dog. That's the, that's the difference that's being placed over here. And the truth is, we do find this, that this idea of Pesach night, of Makas Bechar, is being a time of no fear. Of absolutely no fear, no dread, nothing to be worried about, absolute confidence that everything is fine. Not only was it that night, but it's going forward, right? The part of the Pasuk later on describes this night, Boshavina says, going forward is called Lel Shimurim, a night of protection. A night of protection, a night that you don't have to worry. This is why even it's, it's well-known, it's a minig by Klai Yisrael, that by Pesach night uh, before Halal, you open the door, right? So people think you're opening the door for Elion Havi. Not really. According to most opinions, what you're doing is showing your confidence that the door could be open and you're not worried about uh, anything going on. It's Lel Shimurim, Pesach night, the minig is, you have to say Kriyishma every night before you go to bed, but the whole lengthy version of Kriyishma Lamita, which is about davening and asking Hashem to protect you when you're in that vulnerable position of sleeping, you don't do that Pesach night because well, she's more absolutely confident. The minig by many is even when they go to bed to maybe not have the door open but unlocked. Also, Lel Shimur. But what's interesting is is that 
maybe by Mitzrayim there was a big divide between okay, Klaisol is super confident and not worried at all, and then you have the Mitzrayim all panic-stricken. But the truth is, what's interesting is, is that even within Klai Yisrael, with the fact that they were told to be confident and secure, it's a night of protection, no dogs are going to bark, but we do find that there's an element of fear. There's an element of, of real nervousness. The Pasuk says that Moshe Benin tells the Jewish people, don't leave your houses, Pesach night. Don't leave your houses. Why? Because, as Chazal say, don't leave your house. Why? So Chazal say, because the Malach HaMavis is out there. And once the Malach HaMavis is given permission, like when there's a Magefa going around, Malach doesn't see the difference. Everyone is susceptible. You have to be nervous. Stay inside. So, now that's an interesting thing. So that means that the Jewish people being staying inside their homes was a symbol, was a reflection of being worried. Like, I can't get, if I step out the door, uh, who knows what's going to be. So I'm staying inside to be, to be protected. On the other hand, what's interesting is, is that what, what were they doing inside? What they're doing inside is sitting down like kings, leaning, and drinking four cups of wine, you know, whatever, maybe, I don't know if Chazal were misakin it at that point yet, but, you know, the, eating, eating Karm Pesach, singing Halal. Chazal say that when they ate the Karm Pesach, the, the, the sound, the singing of Halal, like literally broke the roofs, you know. Hilula Paki Igra, the Gemara says. So it's such a strange thing. So on the one hand, I'm staying inside because if I step out the door, everything's going to be falling apart, you know. And I'm, and I'm worried about that, so I'm staying inside. But yet, when I'm staying inside, what I'm doing is absolute confidence and security and everything's gewaldic and I'm singing songs to Hashem. It's a very, very strange thing. So what we're seeing is that there's a very strange dynamic when it comes to Pesach night where there's a huge contrast. See, the average day, a person is not super confident, and you're not super terrified. But all of a sudden, Pesach night, the extremes are much more pronounced. There's absolute fear and dread by Egyptians. And even by Kla Yisrael, don't step outside the doors of your home. Don't do that. It's, uh, the monster's going to get you. And on the other hand, there's absolute confidence and security. Don't worry, even a dog is not going to bark. And sing howl because everything is Mahesh Gavaldik. The contrast is just so extreme. The truth is, even going forward in Jewish history, see, it'll, it'll pass around. You see, that's how it goes. That's how <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. So the, um, uh, even going forward in Jewish history, so Pesach night is Lel Shimur, right? A night of protection. Right? You say, get the doors unlocked, open the door yo, and so on, right? So, uh, okay, one falls, one bites the dust. <laughs> so uh, the, so the, uh, on the other hand, we know, I mean, this is a, this is a, a sad Indian, but it's something that our, that our people had to deal with many generations, which is having blood libels. And blood libels, Davka, came from Pesach night. So such a strange thing that that was something like it goes down in Jewish history that Alilas Dam, like the blood libels, was, was something that every Jewish and every Shetta was worried about. And leading up to Pesach, we, we don't appreciate it now because like when we think about Pesach and what gets us worried is like being able to afford it and cooking and cleaning for the wives and so on. But by, by Kala Yisrael, there was something really to be worried about Pesach. Like, you didn't know. Because all you needed was one, you know, uh, one serial killer out there killing a kid. And then all of a sudden, the Jewish community is blamed for it and done. So, it's not a Pasha Zach. So there's such a very strange dynamic with Pesach. Absolute confidence and security. Doors are open. Elyon Navi is coming, whatever it is. And no Kriyash Malamita, everything's fine. Singing Halal. You know, Vadmayinu uh, and leaning and drinking four cups of wine, but at the same time, in the back of the mind, absolute dread and fear that who knows what's going to be, you know, 
because of uh, blood libels. So I, the, the contrast, that, that's, that's the question over here. The average day, I'm not super confident and not super terrified. It's a regular day. All of a sudden, Pesach night, there's this, there's this dynamic of absolute extremes, absolute confidence with absolute dread. So how do we make sense of it? Okay, so the idea is as follows. It's a two point, to, to explain this, there, there are two steps. There's two steps we need to understand. Step number one. We know that Kaisral are in Egypt, right? The slavery was 210 years, right? That we know, 210. Now, going back though, when Avram Ravina was told about Goldsmith's time, he was told it's going to be 400 years. Does it work out? So there's a number of different explanations, but one basic explanation is, is that the exile technically began with the birth of Yitzchak Avinu. Yitzchak Avinu was born. Technically, when Hashem said to Avram, your children will be in a land that's not theirs, okay, that's kind of open-ended and vague. So technically, Yitzchak is his children, and he's in a land that's not his, because the guy, you know, Canaan was still in control of Eretz Yisrael. Oh, so officially, Golson's time begins then. So you have to understand, that's not just a way of Hashem lightening the burden of exile, that instead of it being slavery for 400 years, uh, we'll count it from Yitzchak. In a deeper level, what the meaning of that is, is that on some level, the entire purpose of Golis Mitzrayim is in order to clarify and to really perfect what Yitzchak Avinu means. The, the, the fact that Golis kicks in immediately upon the birth of Yitzchak means that whatever Yitzchak Avinu represents in Yiddishkeit needs working. It needs to be worked through. It needs clarification. And the process of clarifying Yitzchak Avinu was what Gauls Mitzrayim is. And at the end of the day, at the end of Gauls Mitzrayim, what emerges is what? What emerges is a purified, clear, uh, per, you know, vision of what Yitzchak Avinu means, and that part of the Jewish soul that's called Yitzchak Avinu. And that's why the Gauls begins with Yitzchak. <coughs> so what does Yitzchak Avinu mean? So we all know that Yitzchak Avinu represents Yerush Hashem. Yerush Hashem. When Avram Avinu you know, is willing to sacrifice Yitzchak, right? So he, that place that he did it was in the Harabayas, and he says, as a result of him connecting to Yitzchak Avinu in that way, and to really bringing out the Mesir Snefesh of Yitzchak Avinu, he calls the place Yerushalayim, Yira Shalem, complete fear, wholesome, uh, perfected fear. That's what, Yerush, that's what Yerushalayim means. So Yitzchak Avinu means Yerush Hashem, which means that in a certain level, the entire purpose of Golis Mitzrayim is to clarify and to refine this Indian that's called Yerush Hashem. And at the end of Golis, what is supposed to emerge out of Egypt is God-fearing Jews. God-fearing Jews. And only Yidin that are now God-fearing, that are Yareh Shemaim, in the truest whole, wholesome sense of the word, are now able to stand by our Sinai seven weeks later to receive the Torah. And the Torah is given to us, Mipi HaGevura. From the mouth of power. Gevur is always a code word for Yitzchak, for, for Yira. So all of the, the Torah is also only given to, to, to people that are embodying that quality of Yira. Of Yira. That's, what Yira. that's what Torah is about. Torah is, uh, um, Torah is only able to be received by people that are considered to be Yari Shemaim. You can only learn Torah from a Jew that's a Yari Shemaim. So what does it mean, Yira? And again, let's understand. If the if Gauls Mitzrayim is about clarifying this point and the completion and like it's all culminating at this moment of Makas Bechoros, then it must be that somehow contained in there is a moment of clarification. So let me share with you an idea that we find from Rav Cook. Rav Cook explains like this. He says that whenever you have something 
that needs to be refined. The, the, pro, the process is following, it always follows the, the, the following, the, the following uh, uh, method, or the following process, which is, let's say I have a cup of water, let's say a cup of water that's a salt water solution, right? So it's uh, salt water. It's not super salty, but it's not super delicious either. What do I want to do? I want to refine the water. In other words, I want to separate the pure water from the unwanted salt. Okay, so that's what I do. So I have certain methods and and and, and you know um, sifting processes, whatever, in order to separate the water from the salt. <coughs> As I do that, then some of the water that I begin to separate becomes pure, right? And whatever remains behind actually becomes saltier, right? Because whatever remains behind is even more concentrated with salt. So the Sarak Deshim explain an interesting phenomenon, that when you have something that's unrefined, that's not worked through, it's kind of neutral. It's kind of neutral. But in the process of your, of your, of your sifting through that Indian and clarifying the Indian, then you now at some point develop two extremes. One absolutely pure, clean water, which is absolutely delicious, and on the other side, absolutely terribly salty, whatever, whatever water remains. So here's the idea. What does Yer Sashem mean? Yer Sashem, when a person is brought into the world and they have a midah inside of them, a character trait inside of them that's called Yira, that's like salt water. There's some quality in that that's healthy, that's good, that's called Yer Sashem, and there's salt in there that's unrefined. Rav Cook explains that the salt, the unrefined aspect of Yer Sashem is pachdanis. What does pachdanis mean? Because we're pachad. Pachad means cowardice. To be a coward. What does it mean to be Yer Hashem? What's the vision of a Yer Hashem? A really God-fearing Jew. So it would be a big mistake to think that Yer Sashem means a guy that's nervous. A guy that's just, just nervous. So some people are nervous of, you know of the government uh, coming in the middle of the night and doing whatever. Some people are nervous about what's going to be with their job. Some people are nervous, are afraid of the dark. Some people are afraid of bugs. Some people are afraid of who knows what, right? Some people have fear of clowns. And some people are afraid of muksa. <coughs> so it's also pachat. I'm afraid of going to Ghanem. Fukuk says that's not that pachdonas, cowardiceness, being just afraid and nervous about what's going to be. A, that is, that is the unrefined sediment that's within this beautiful wine that's called Yer Sashem. and the and and the tachlis of a person refining one's Yer Sashem is what is to get rid of that sediment, to get rid of that salt to extricate from your system any level of cowardice. The job of a Jew, the goal of a Jew, the Rabbanu wants us to be God-fearing. God-fearing does not mean to be cowards and to be nervous and to be worried about what's going to be. Maybe I'm going to make a mistake. Maybe I'm going to do an Avera. I'm going to lose everything in my life. That's not what Yer Hashem means. Yer Hashem does not mean to be nervous and Yer Hashem does not mean to be just waiting for the next shoe to fall. I'm just going to wait for that. I'm for sure going to lose it. I'm for sure going to make the mistake. I'm for sure not going to get him. Let me just, I'm just waiting to find out for what. That's not, that's not what Yer Sashem is. What is Yer Sashem? Yer Sashem is a combination, Rav Cook says, of two, of two midas. Of an absolute awareness that you're in the presence 
of a being, of God, number one. Number two, who God is, is unfathomable to you. You don't know who God is. But number three, he's not a threat. He's not a threat. See, that's the difference between a person that's afraid, in the sense of being a coward and nervous, versus Yerushimai. See, if I'm walking down the block, and, and, I, and, and the mushal I usually give is that you're walking down the block and the bushes begin to rustle. There's something in the bushes. I'm nervous. Why? Because I have two ingredients. Something there, I know there's something there, and I don't know what it is. And maybe it's a threat, so I'm nervous. I'm walking down the block, and this big guy is coming, coming towards me. Nervous. Why? Two things. I know there's someone there, and I don't know what's going on in his head. So I can have the same thing with God. I know there's a God, I don't know what, who he is and what he's thinking. I'm nervous. But that's, that's called pachdonis, that's called being a coward. What does Yeres Hashem mean? Yeres Hashem means a third ingredient, is that that God that I'm in the front of, that I don't understand, is not a threat, and I'm actually part of his world. I'm a part of him. See, that's the difference, right? The guy walking down the block, I'm not part of his world. We're our, we are two different worlds bumping into each other. And, I don't, and, and, you know, and there's not room for both of us to stand in one spot. So I'm nervous about what he's going to do. Whatever it is in the, in the bushes over there, I don't know what it is. It's not part of me. It's not, I'm not part of it. it and, and it could cause conflict. But if you, if your session means to become so, to, to have an absolute clarity that I am part of something much bigger. And what it is that I'm a part of, that I'm, that's, that, that's bigger than me, that's called God, I don't understand what that is. And that's a good thing. A healthy Yerush Hashem does not bring fear and anxiety. A healthy Yerush Hashem brings absolute confidence. Because if I were to know with 100% certainty that I am plugged in to a power that's bigger than anything I can possibly conceptualize, that's empowering. That's not, that's, not demean, that's not belittling. That doesn't make me nervous. That doesn't make me crawl in the fetal position in the corner of the room. Adarabha. You know what power I have? I don't even know how much power I have. That's how, I don't even know. But I know that it's mine. I know that I'm a part of it. That's cool, Yeres Hashem. The process, and therefore Rav Cook explains that in order to become a God-fearing Jew, it's sifting through that water. It's, it's getting rid of the sediment. It's getting rid of the salt. Which means that you have to expunge Kviyachal from your system cowardiceness and really embrace confidence and understand that the confidence that you have is not coming out of because you're an idiot and you don't realize the consequence it's not coming from that it's coming from absolute awareness that you are part of something much bigger than you that God is your world and you're part of his world and you're not bumping into him in in an alley somewhere you're part of his universe and who is this God that you're part of his universe I have no idea but he's not a threat I'm part of his world and I'm empowered by that. I'm confident because of that. Therefore, what we're seeing by Makis Bechorus, which is again the culmination of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, in order to stand by Harsinai, the Rebbe says, I want to give you the Torah. But I can't give the Torah to people th- that are nervous. I can't give the Torah to people that are just stomp people. I need to give the Torah to people that see themselves as part of my world. That are God-fearing. That's what it means to be God-fearing. That you, you appreciate who it is that who is God that He's giving the Torah, and you know He's absolutely true and real, and you don't know who He is, and, and God's bigger than anything you conceptualize. That's that's a prerequisite. That's an environment that Torah Kedusha could be given. The Rebbe says, "Oh, you're on the same page." But in order for that to happen, there has to be a beer. There has to be a, a sifting and a clarification. And this clarification we see coming to a head, Pesach night, and you see coming to a head by Makis Bucharest, where now there's two opposite extremes. 
you have absolute fear and anxiety by Mitzrayim, and absolute confidence and security by Kalah Yisrael. And even within Kalah Yisrael, you have this dynamic of, on the one hand, the doors are unlocked, and the other part of the brain, you're absolutely nervous about what's going to be tomorrow. And the reason why there's such a huge contrast is because that's the, that's the cleansing process. The process of beer, of clarification, is the result of that process, until it's finally finished, is to create these two extremes. So, again, before, before that, initially, when it's just pure salt water, everything's powerful. But all of a sudden, when there's a process of, of really getting something perfect, then all of a sudden you got milchiks and fleshiks. It's not parv. Things are extreme. And the way it works is that extreme, 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 each voice becomes more and more pronounced. And there's a voice inside the head which screams, be confident, you got this. And there's another voice which screams, you should be terrified, you have no idea what you're doing. Right? In the beginning, there's no voices at all. But as the, as the voice of confidence and, and healthier Hashem becomes more pronounced, then the voice of the salt and the voice of the sediment, the voice of Pachtonis, also becomes more and more pronounced. And at some point, as they're moving, moving, moving in more extremes, we have to make a choice which voice we're listening to. And at some point when all the salt is removed from the water, then as the Tarek Dosh, as Hashem promises, once it's fully removed... Then you take the salt and throw it in the garbage. But until, there's, until that last drop of water is still in there, then you still need to deal with the salt. And the salt's louder and louder and louder. You follow this? That's the process that's going on. And so this is what, what happens also on a, on a historical level, before you get closer to Mashiach, where the extremes become much more pronounced. Because when things are still in the beginning of the process of sifting through the salt water, things are still pretty powerful. But as it gets closer and closer to the very end, then each side becomes that much more potent, that much more strong. That's why even nowadays we find this. There's, without getting into the detail, everyone, find, everyone can hear these voices in their own lives, but these two, these two voices of absolute fear and anxiety about everything, right? Versus, you know, absolute, like, cowboy, you know, just can't running without any concern at all, just go. And, and you see this. And, again, we have, to, we have to be deep people. So things that go on in the world around us, we have to, you have to think, what is the Rabbani Shalom telling you? What's going on over here? The fact that the world is in such a way where there's such a divide in terms of, you know, cavalier, super confidence, overconfidence, versus anxiety-ridden, fear-mongering. That's not, that's not, that's not coming because of like TV networks. You know what I'm saying? That's coming from a very pneumistic place. Because there's something going on in the world that the Rabbanu Shalom is, is trying to, 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 to clarify Yitzchak Avinu once again. And just as Yitzchak Avinu was necessary to perfect in order to get out of Mitzrayim, so Yitzchak Avinu is going to be necessary to perfect in order for us to get out of this Gauls too. Chazal say that when Mashiach will come, we're all going to point to Yitzchak Avinu and say, Yitzchak, you are the, you are the main of the Avis. You are a dicker. Because that's what it means. Yir Sashem gets a very bad rap. It's a very bad rap because when we think of the word yira, we translate in English to the word fear, and no one wants to be afraid. But it's not a good translation. Yira does not mean fear, anxiety. That's pacha. We don't want that. A healthy, purified yira Hashem is a Jew that's unbelievably confident and powerful and mission-oriented and humbled by that mission and humbled by how much power they wield as being part of God's world. It's... Uh, Yari Shemaim, a God-fearing Jew, is someone that that knows with absolute confidence and security 
that they're part of something that they don't know. That, that's, what, that's what a God-fearing Jew is. It's a Jew that says, I absolutely believe in Yiddishkeit, and I don't know what Yiddishkeit is, and that's why I love it so much. Right? It's a Jew that says, I believe in God so much, and I don't know who God is, and that's why I love Him so much. It, it, it's empowering and humbling at the same time. It's the opposite of Pachtanis. It's the opposite. A person that's a coward is really the opposite of that. It's, he's full of himself, and he thinks that everything depends on his own decisions, and that's why he's overwhelmed by it. If a person believed that everything in their life is, is, is governed by their decisions, you're never going to get out of bed. How could you possibly? It's too much, there's, too much, there's too much hanging in the balance. But if you're a Yari Shemaim and you say, you know what, this is the Rabbanishon's world, and I'm just a player in his world, and I'm going to do the best I can, but ultimately the Rabbanishon runs the show, now you can make a decision. Now you can get up and do something with your life. The Rabbanishon gives you the Torah, which is all about making the right decisions and doing something and accomplishing only to people that really believe in the very depths of who they are that this is God's world. Because then you could actually handle the, the achrayas and the responsibility of making the right decisions. Otherwise, it's overwhelming. And, and in order for Mitzrayim, and, and Mitzrayim took us to it, it took us to a certain level of clarifying Yerush Hashem, and Mashiach is going to take us to even a greater level of clarifying Yerush Hashem. And what and the catharsis of Golas is this process of really sifting through and getting to that nakuda, that purified water of what God-fearing Jews look like, what Yerush Hashem really is. And the more the process goes on, the more there's a contrast of this divide of the purified water versus the unrefined water that's still very, very salty. And so the, the, as the process goes on, you'll have some people with absolute confidence and some with absolute, absolute worry. And, and the people that have the confidence have to realize what, what they should, where their confidence should be coming from. And the people that have the worry should be realize where their worry is really coming from. And this this is the process of Biruru. So no Vamevinyovin, a person has to be able to really figure out, to clarify within their own lives what your Hashem is, and to really get to that place of, of your Hashem. And I've mentioned this verb before just to finish off. You know that the Israel said this, he says that the beginning of Parsha Shmais, when the the midwives, Shifra and Pua, so they save the Jewish babies, right? They, it says in Pasuk that they didn't listen to Parai. They feared, they, they feared the word of Hashem. They had Yerush Hashem. And Hashem says, as, as a result of that, V'yaslam Batam, Hashem made them houses. I mean houses. So the Rashi says it means that they had good yichas coming from them, Malchus and Levia. But the Ishbitz has said the meaning of that is on a deeper level is that a bias means a place that you're confident and secure and comfortable. That's what Ha'as says, right? When you're, when you're away from home, that's a little bit uneasy. In your home, you can be yourself, you can be confident, secure, it's, you're protected, everything's fine at home. It says in Pasuk that when the, when the midwives had true, authentic Yerush Hashem, the Pasuk says, and how do I know they had Yerush Hashem? How do I know that what they were experiencing was really Yerush Hashem? The Aslam bought them because it resulted in Yeshua Das. It resulted in a feeling of sense and uh, peace and serenity. Said the Ishbitzer, if a person feels Yerush Hashem and it results in nervousness and feeling unsettled, that's not Yerush Hashem. There's a lot of salt in there. There's a lot of pachtanis in there. But a real healthy Yerush Hashem actually results in Yishvadas. Hashem should help us. We should be zochah to be confident in and have the right, have the confidence because of Yerush Hashem. Not stam out of. You can have people that are confident because they're just not thinking, right? That's also confident, right? You're not thinking about consequences. That's also that's also uh, ridiculous. The main thing why you should have confidence is through your session. That I know, I know what's hanging in the balance, but it's not my decision. 
It's the Rabbanu Shalom's world that I'm a part of, and he's bigger than me, and he knows better than me, and I don't even know. I, I can't understand what's going on in his brain because he's God. And that gives me confidence. And then I can do what I'm supposed to do because it's not all hanging on me. It's the Rabbanu Shalom's world. Shem should help us to become God-fearing Jews. That's the Eker.